Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Thank you for tuning in to Growth Island again. So it seems that poop is the new black, or at least around all of my nerdy friends, everyone is talking about what is that microbiome, hot words, so it's like the Bristol skills and other things. And you might be sitting listening like, oh shit, now I need to get out of this podcast. But this might actually change your life. And I got a really cool doctor in who knows a lot about poop, who knows a lot about the microbiome and has studied this that can actually provide us some actually help to start improving our health. So I got Dr. Ulrich Jafstein, Jafstel, that name. He runs a functional clinic. He's a specialist in heart disease as well. And I'll let him explain it in the better words as well. So Ulrich, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thanks for having me. Just to uh, clear up, it's uh, Dr. Jafstel, but it's uh, also not a heart specialist. I'm a vascular surgeon and then I'm a co-founder of Copenhagen Center of Functional Medicine. Yeah, you had some questions for me. I yes, thank you. So just briefly, like your normal medical doctor, I just had another episode as well with a, a functional medicine doctor from Germany who kind of had her own journey of being like, medicine is amazing. She ran into her own health challenges and suddenly like the normal system just didn't work. She went to one specialist after the other until she ended that functional medicine and suddenly found the answers and got out of the Hashimoto disease. So how did you get into this? Were you just like the perfect uh, healthy uh, doctor that's like, ah, my colleagues are kind of boring. I want to learn something more. Or like, what's the story? No, I think, uh, I think a lot of guys in functional medicine have exactly the same entry point. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's a lot about um, meeting a healthcare system that is... Um, meant to be for acute diseases or like really acute things like if if you have a really high blood sample of this then you uh, you go to the doctor you get a positive test and they say this is wrong with you and that is really good if you break an ankle you can go to the hospital and say it's broken and come back but if you have this low grade inflammation disease or Hashimoto's or like different joint disease or uh, long diseases like where it's just a little bit and it irritates you a little bit every day it's um it's really hard for the doctors to say this is wrong with you and you can fix it like this and that's why people start working with alternative methods um, and that's why uh, functional medicine is, is on the rise because instead of just looking at the eye that is red that day they look at their whole body and say okay this is wrong with you this is wrong with you and like accumulate all the evidence pointing at one direction is that it, there is something wrong with you instead of going to a doctor say nothing's wrong with you nothing's wrong with you nothing's wrong with you then you get like okay this is they could be wrong with you and then mm. you you take normal uh, healthy steps towards a better health and hopefully you find out at the three or four weeks that oh i'm actually getting better and then then you got you got good momentum going and then you have to keep it on the and the good good vibe or the good positive road and then you you just start moving towards a better health and a better you but most people they just want the quick fix they want to take one pill they want to have one surgery and then they want to 
yeah, men want to get fixed in one go, but it, it, they want maybe neurotropics to fix the, the clarity of their mind. But but it's if they still sleep three hours a day, it's it's, it's not going to work. You need no. you, the, the the fundament of a good health is like you need your sleep, you need your exercise, you need your good diet, you need your your stress off, you need a mind game that be a right. Uh, but of course, I had the same road into functional medicine as all the other guys. I was admitted in the hospital in Thailand with salmonella infection. Uh, I ate some chicken legs in in Thailand in 2001. And I got admitted in a hospital for a week with antibiotics. And after that, just just went slowly downhill. Uh, more antibiotics, more antibiotics. And... And the doctor said, well, we know your joints hurt a bit now and then, but it's, it's nothing. Nothing is wrong with you. But, but I could feel it every day. And then you started investigating joint pain and joint health and gut health and probiome and stuff like that. And then you slowly you pinpoint your functions into or your pains into coming from like you, if you feed bacteria good food, then you feel better. If you feed them bad food, then you feel worse. So you start nerding about this. And I've been nerding since 2010 about these things. So there's a lot of nerding and there's a, a lot of uh, getting wiser into why the microbiome is so important and why if you treat it well, then you hopefully get better and live longer, hopefully without any illnesses. But it's, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, it is a common journey. When you speak to normal medical doctors, there was like, the Western medicine is amazing and functional medicine has so much stuff from Western medicine as well. You do the testing and so on and try to figure out a little bit wider, like what is the, what's wrong with the entire system that it does, it's not just like the red eye is something else. So today we're going to talk about the microbiome. Yeah. So I've had a few podcasts on that and it seems to be one of the areas that's really on the rise to kind of help us understand like what's going on in our body and what is it that we need to change. But could you kind of give a few words on like what is the microbiome and why does it matter? Yes, I can. So I think um, first off, the, the, the microbiome is uh, all the bacteria in your body and on your body that like helps you uh, or don't help you depending on what kind of bacteria there is. But you can have you can have bacteria on your skin that actually make sure bad bacteria cannot stay there because they just they live there already right and it's kind of like the same in your gut you have you have a lot of bacteria like two kilos of poop and bacteria living in there and they <clears throat> they want to they, they fill out the space right so uh, so they live there if you eat food then they s help you digest the food so you have um, you have you have these bacteria you were given it by birth, by your mom. If you have vaginal birth, then you you inherit some of her bacteria. That's why some of the C-section patients are a bit more hit when it comes to microbiome. Then you start in the oral phase of your childhood and putting everything in your mouth and you and just everything just have to go in there. You have to fill up that microbiome. The microbiome actually peaks when you're six. And from that, the diversity just goes slowly downhill. Uh, if you get if you eat bad food, if you take antibiotics, if anything goes it goes south. It doesn't. It's not like 
okay, you and me, it's not like we start running around in the forest and putting things in our mouth with dirt on it because we don't have that attitude anymore. We were told we were not allowed to do it and we should exactly. be careful, right? Exactly. We need to wash our hands extra and like sanitize and so on. Especially now in Corona, it's, uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not good for a common microbiome that we sanitize so much. If we talk about nutrients and how the bacteria helps you, it's it's about like you have all these bacteria and like when you eat food, let's say gluten, and it's slightly an irritant for the body, but we have saliva in the mouth, then we have the acid in the stomach sac, and then it comes down to the gut. And hopefully we have like like good bacteria that helps you digest the gluten, and then the gluten is not doing any damage. But if we over time eat a lot of pesticides, herbicide, uh, food, it, it kills the bacteria. If we take a lot of antibiotics, it kills the bacteria. So we have a harder time uh, neutralizing the gluten peptide, right? So it will slowly do more irritation and damage. And if we don't help get the bacteria back on track, if we keep on killing it or eating pesticide sprayed food, then it's it's slowly going to get worse and worse. Really started pesticides in 2006 and inflammation and autoimmune disease have just been increasing ever since. Um, so again, bacteria helps us digest the food. Uh, bacteria does amazing things like um, they can actually send signals to the brain to decrease the inflammation. I have it on my Instagram also. Uh, I was kind of amazed that they kind of visualize exactly what is going on there and how how the gut box is actually communicating to your brain. Yeah, They have so many functions. The microbiome have so many functions that we talk about. It's really hard to prove exactly how they work, but we have literature saying you can take poop from a, a skinny guy and put it into a fat guy, and then the fat guys get skinny, like controls the, the metabolism. Put that in orally or from the bottom up? Yes, there's three ways to do a fecal transplant. One of them is by capsules. The other one is by rectal, just injected rectally, like first 20 centimeters from down, down from and up. Yeah. Or you can do it endoscopically where you put it like at the circum, right at the end of the small intestine and the start of the large intestines. How far is that like technology and being approved? I remember I looked at a company Two years ago, they were looking at developing that you could get these capsules of good poop it is, to swallow. It is, it is uh, you mean in Denmark or generally? Generally. It, it is it's a known known procedure. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's getting there. So they need to find out and when they can apply it and to what illnesses they can apply it to. But uh, uh, they have like... Clostridium difficile, which is an infection, that is kind of like if you get that more than once, then maybe there's an, uh, a clear uh, let's go or on, on that treatment. Um, yeah. And they're doing a lot in the state and Canada and, and different places in the world. Um, so for that illness, it's well known that it works a lot. But for um, God, other gut-related issue, it's, it's very experimental. Like are we using it on 
I have inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, are we using it for chronic Crohn's? Are we using it for uh, other illnesses or just like diarrhea, chronic diarrhea? It's uh, it's it's getting there. It's in the test periods at the moment, so it's it's gonna be huge in five years. But yeah. There's a lot of EU factor, but it's it's one of the only ways that you can increase the microbiome, like. Probiotics is good, but when you stop taking it, it doesn't work as much anymore. It's, it's I was kind of told the example of how to understand probiotics by one of the other people I interviewed. He said, like, you can kind of see it as you send a bunch of tourists into an area. Yeah. A few of them might stay, and they're definitely going to make some changes to the place, but they're going to leave again. So, like, they can do some positive or negative changes depending on what you're getting in, but you shouldn't expect it as, like, residents coming down and, and helping out that way. But that's why fecal microbiota transplant is better because they are used to living in a gut. So you send them into another gut. So they, hey, it's the same place, just a different, yeah, it's the same color. It's the same environment. So they stay. But um, at least there's a higher chance of them staying. Um, but again, if you don't treat them right, if you, if, you, if you send them in and then you still eat your McDonald's three times a day, and you don't get your exercise, you don't sleep and you stress. And like, if you don't treat them right, if you don't get the pillars of health fundamentally fixed first, then it won't change anything. No. They also found out in Canada, like when you do the fecal microbiota transplant, after three months, like the, the, the tourist is out. Yeah. But it's like, then they, they just go away. And if that's because people don't stick to a diet, don't know what they're allergic to in the beginning. So let's say that your gut is highly reactive to uh, gluten, lactose, red wine, cheese, tomatoes, for instance. And then you just, you get the transplantation and everything is fine. But then you, hey, I want to eat cheese and red wine again. And then when you do that, then you have diarrhea and all yeah. the bad, good bugs that you got in that just like flushed out. They didn't get the time to stick um, so let's before we dig to dive into it because I was about to go out of the tandem with a personal story as well but uh, I'll save that potentially for later so we know now that the microbiome or biome is super important we know that it has a huge influence on many different diseases we also know we've seen studies that it has an influence on depression and so on um, we're talking about it's like the third brain or second brain so there's definitely a lot of agreement now that this is something that matters and it has an influence. So, and then looking at what kind of initiative we can actually do, like what can we do to improve it? What kind of framework, what kind of processes would you look at to see like, can we see if initiative work and which initiative do we start with? So, it's a, I don't know if you know this, but there's people that can eat every food every day, don't have any problem, healthy weight, healthy, like he healthy everything. So I think they have probably the best microbiome in the world, and I wish I had the same. But it's um, it's not like that. So if you have problems in the gut, you don't need to start with problems in the gut. It can easily start with problems in your skin, problem with slight cough, problem with yeah bad sleep. Like a lot of other things can actually be related to the gut, but you don't know it yet. If you keep on sticking to eating the things you don't body don't like, it's probably going to show later that it was probably gut issues. But what we can do is we can we can catch it early on, like 
and we can start improving the gut health um, already if you have any symptoms of anything. Um, the, the normal things I would do if if a patient comes into my clinic is I would probably like scan through all the things they have or ever had and and try to see what what kind of issues it could be. And uh, most of the people they come in with either they have the a tendency to diarrhea or a tendency to obstipation. And sometimes there's something that triggers them. So it's like if I go in another time, so then all of a sudden I'm very constipated. If I other people go to another time, so then they got a lot of diarrhea. So it's like it's 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 sensitive that way. People react differently depending on what kind of uh, microbiota that is living in the gut and how it irritates their body. But if you have either of those things, if you don't have one solid poop one time a day, you can probably improve something. Um, so what can you improve? Like depending on variations on what's your different type, I would all like for most time, I would recommend a daily walk. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's simple. If we just quickly jump back, uh, Ulrich. So like talking about frameworks is like, You can actually note down how you're feeling because one of the challenges is often that people forget how bad they were feeling before. So it can be as simple as just journaling down. People often ask me like, do you feel a difference from all these supplements, all this stuff you do? And it's like, it's hard to remember. But when then I eat something that I wouldn't normally, then suddenly I'm tired. I'm just like, I don't have the energy. I'm like, ah, okay, that's how I used to feel. So the mind has a tendency to forget. So we can either, I've seen many people like, just write down like how you're feeling. And if you have some either skin issues, you can take a picture of it. If it's like psoriasis or other things that can also be gut related, there's the Bristol scale as well. I'm not sure how often if you use that with your clients, but that's kind of this wonderful thing for the use listeners. It, use it every every time. Yeah. So the first time I heard about that, I was like, "What?" So the Bristol scale for the listeners out there is the scale of how your poop looks and whether it's a good poop or a bad poop. And so I was told to actually look down into the toilet after every time I went to a toilet, and the first time I was like, "That's disgusting. I'm not going to look at that." Um, It, get, it becomes natural. It kind of tells something about if you're improving or not, right? I think that could also it, be. It, it's it's actually uh, showing something about how your body is absorbing the the water. If it's if it goes through fast to the system, then it will get uh, uh, diarrhea like. And if it goes too slow, then it might be like a lumpy, like a goat poop. Yeah, so that's like. It's like watery, and then it's goat poop in the top, and then it's like between that from one to seven. And uh, a normal poop would be a three or four. And um, that's like a Schulstel sausage. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the fourth. That's the fourth. But I, it's it's a bit lumpy on the three, and I'm uh, I'm I'm leaning more towards the three. If I should uh, mention the perfect poop, okay, because um, because uh, I'd rather have it. Uh, A bit lumpy, but easy slip and no uh, using a lot of toilet paper. That would yeah. be this case scenario. So, but but you're talking about these things and all this, and I totally agree with you. People have a tendency to to come in. Oh, everything is wrong. They feel so bad and uh, dry skin, and you list up all the problems they have. And then when they come back, like a month later after the first consultation, they're like, "How is everything? And it's okay. Like you still have this. Oh, I forgot about that. It's like." And uh, oh yes, I had this cough, and normally I muted the Zoom call all the time. But yesterday I had a Zoom call; I didn't mute it even once. So so, so it's like 
they don't they don't they forget it exactly like you say it's like you can have it it could be horrible for you and then slowly you're feeling better but you don't feel it it you forget it and then when you start going back to the normal path and oh this is bad so uh, yeah about the things that you you might uh, stumble on if you have a bad microbiome or something that's not filling out for you except for the obvious which is diarrhea and constipation could be something as simple as dry skin like if you eat something that irritates your gut then you can you can have skin changes like small skin changes and and you can be tired a chronic fatigue syndrome is very much linked into dysbiosis um which is an alteration bad alteration in the gut and and that especially in the COVID-19 times. Uh, people after COVID can have COVID long and then they're very, very tired. And that can also like be worse if you have a bad gut health. So improve your gut health and hopefully you overcome COVID-19 better also. So what would be some very concrete initiatives? So someone sitting in out there be like, all right, that's me. My poop does not look like Schulzel sausage. It does not look like it's the number three either. It's liquid right, as yeah. it's, it's slush ice. It's uh, it's like it's really bad. Like you got me. Like I I feel brain fog or like my skin is really bad. And like where do I start? Like or like what can I try? What what would you kind of suggest that the people start doing? I always recommended intermittent fasting. So it's even though you're. Uh, If you have an extra weight, it's just a big plus. It's uh, you're probably going to lose a few pounds or kilos. But if if you're very slim already, I would probably just squeeze in the eating window. So you eat like uh, lunch, and then you have a middle day eat dinner, and then you have the late dinner. So you have three meals still, but you compact it. So you give time for the gut to heal. You give time for the the gut to improve itself. Um, and and after that, it's uh, it's it's different factors. But uh, I would start meditation. It's um, it's shown like they shown that meditation is really healthy for your gut microbiome. They show exercise is really good for the gut microbiome. They've shown that fermented food is really good for the microbiome. So that it's meditation, walking, exercise fermented foods but it's really much listening to your own body it's like as we say in the biohacking community or it's like n equals one so it's so it's you wanna you wanna test it on yourself like what if i eat i feel like when i eat tomatoes it doesn't feel so well well stop eating tomatoes it's like it's 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 very easy if, if you get anything that blows up try to eliminate some foods see how it goes without it Make a food log even better. As you said, write it down like, okay, so yesterday I felt really bad. I felt bloated. My stomach were hurt. So I write down the last three days what I ate. And then when you, you try to eat again, and if, if it happens again, then you eat, okay, the last three days I had this. And maybe you find, okay, all these times that you had a bad stomach, you eat the pizza or pasta or cheese or anything like Food log is really helpful. But um, the things that I said before, combined with good uh, like ecological food that's not pesticide, 
straight, it's really helpful for your gut. Vegetables, of course. So actually going back to the basics, something we talked about before as well, it doesn't always have to be that complex, right? If we lower our stress, meditation yeah. works with that. Actually move. We're not meant to be sitting in front of a screen, assume all day. That's not how our body is meant. Like, so actually doing some kind of, doesn't have to be hard exercise or something. Just go for a walk. If we think about not eating things with a lot of pesticides, not eating a lot of sugar, refined food oh, and so on. Yeah, yeah, eat real food. I heard that so many times. Kind of simple, just eat real food. I heard social interactions, which is harder now, but just that, that part of being happy also has an impact. Like it goes both directions, can have an impact on the gut. Then the food luck, I think that's so powerful. It's, it sounds so simple, right? But that actually like, because we have a tendency to forget because it's not the most important thing for us. So actually locking it down and then seeing. I think the challenge is that some foods have a kind of delayed impact on you. So if you kind of make this lock and you can't really find the pattern, would you suggest a microbiome test or would you just like getting rid of all food for like the kind of what do you call it? The check for what you might be uh, a little bit intolerant towards. So you only bring in a few uh, food. Um, what it's is an it? elimination diet. Yeah. yeah. But then you can go all the ways to steamed veggies and then just stick with that 14 days and then just interact with one other food for a week. Yeah. Because you need that. It's, it's so slow. It's, you need to have a really clean gut. You need to have a really good health and then test. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's funny, but um, it, there's different diets that you can go to. The low FODMAP is a classical one, and then they have the low carb, high fat, and like everything that re reduces the spikes in the blood sugar is probably pretty healthy for a long, healthy life. Yeah, you're always after me once I uh, I post about my uh, fruity smoothies on uh, on Instagram. So, uh, if you don't have any health problem, you can eat all the smoothies you want. Yes, I'll actually be doing an experiment uh, together with Dasha Maximov, who's very much into the female health and so on, where we got uh, a very um, a glucose monitoring, uh, continuous glucose monitoring, where we'll be eating the same for two weeks. I'll be eating a lot more, uh, but still kind of see like what's the difference in our our spikes, just to kind of get that. But again, as we talked about earlier, start with the basics. You don't need like expensive tech or anything else. Many things you can figure out just by going back to the basics and then you can start adding up. I think that's one thing I really appreciate about your pr approach. Like you also had my dad in and instead of just throwing a bunch of tests and everything else, you're like, let's start with the basics. Once we kind of get that clear, then we can start going more nerdy about finding the next, right? Exactly. So, uh, so you... You, but it's funny how the, the microbiome can also change how your glucose spikes. If, so it's there's a lot of. Uh, I would recommend you following a glucose goddess. Yeah, she's uh, she she has this glucose monitor for health uh, habits and uh, and she's um, she's also like go for a small walk after food that could curb the spike. Uh, eat your fat before your carbs and that could curb the spike. So there's a lot of how you eat your food is also different, even though it's the same meal. So yeah. it's a, there's a lot of nerdy stuff about that. So totally recommend the listeners to go uh, follow her. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes. So what are general misunderstandings about the subject and something that other experts are wrong about? I think... Uh, in your opinion. Think, yeah, in my opinion. Of course, in my opinion, I think that we are... 
we are not giving the God bugs enough credit. And over the last hundred years, we found out that bugs were bad because they killed people in operation theater. Like it, we started out not using gloves doing surgery. And then we found out, oh, maybe gloves is a good idea. Like, And people died less because they didn't get all the infections and stuff. Found out antibiotics is a pretty cool thing. They could kill down all the, the bacteria. And and then we found out that uh, that could save lives. So we found out that, oh, a small fever, use antibiotics. But before we have had antibiotics, people still, like, they survived still. Cause of so antibiotics is just like the golden go-to in a lot of illnesses. And yes, it's really powerful, but you should not use it like <laughs> a small cough. I need antibiotics. It's, it's not necessarily the way. Your body functions fine and can still clear virus and bugs that's in the wrong place. So I think that the way that the, the Western medicine looks at antibiotics and microbiota, is, it's a bit behind. Like you need to praise the good bugs and only use antibiotics if it's strictly necessary. Um, and I think, I think just the whole understanding of how awesome the microbiome works and how powerful it can be and how changing it can really have a huge health impact i, I think like normal practitioners just they're totally wrong they have no idea what's going on um i had a client who was coughing for 15 years danish healthcare system we don't know what's wrong with you one month of dieting and she's off it haven't coughed since. Wow. one month like it's it's so powerful yeah so it's, uh, I think that's what experts are wrong about. They, they just, if you can't do a double-blind, randomized study, then you cannot see this works, this works not. But it's, as I said, biohacking, one equals N equals one. So you need, like, test it on yourself. If it makes you feel better, then do it. If you make it feel worse, don't do it. For someone confused about the N equals one, basically just means N is the sample size. So if you're not into medical literature or just literature in general. Um, so like the sample size of one, that when we do normal studies, we take a bunch of people and then we see what works for the majority, which is wonderful. And that's why we have less diseases and so on today. The only challenge is there's often outliers. So you might be an outlier. So there might this might be working for 90% of people. But then there's 10% of people that doesn't. And if you're one of the outliers, you want to figure that out. So it's like when you get a treatment or something else, it's most likely going to work. But there's also a chance that it doesn't. And again, if you're an outlier, so that's why you need to figure out what is the thing that we can do these like test about because we are different. And as you said, like whether we exercise or whether we how we've been eating in our microbiome, so different initiatives will have different impacts on us. So that's why, again, just like noting down how are you feeling, and you get a good recommendation from your doctor, test it out. Is it working or is it not? Is your diet working or not? So so that is. That for me was really powerful to learn that framework as well. And I guess it took a little bit of time because I heard so many people say N equals one. I was like, what is that? So, so just to get to get that in. That's good clarification. So also when looking at someone that's nerdy like myself and that love test or like, can we get some kind of answer, right? Um, not always that we get the right answers, but something like a microbiome test that seems so tempting be like, can we get a test that can tell me what to do? And there's a lot of mixed opinions out there. So basically just if some, like to the listeners out there, a microbiome test works in a fantastic way. You uh, have this little test kit, you sit down on your toilet 
and you will you breathe and then you push hopefully something comes out of the bottom uh, that you can then collect a nice little poop and then you scrub that in and then you send that to a lab where they then actually analyze it and microbiome tests have gotten a lot of attention lately because we're starting to learn more about or we, at least we think and that's one of my questions or like, like how much do we actually know about the results because the challenge with a microbiome test is different parts of the poop will show you different results and your poop can change from one day to the other so how much can we use them for in your opinion and what research have you seen about how reliable is it so so there is it's a very good question really good question it's um there is a, a danish uh, professor that found out that if you switch your diet then you can like let's just see normal uh, meaty stuff uh, potatoes meat pasta then you go to eating a lot of vegetables and you can see within three days you can actually see a shift in the microbiome so it's so so yes you you can you can you can switch your microbiome just by going to veggies within three days so if you have problems like gut related or you don't know if it's gut related but if you have joint problems inflammation low grade inflammation thyroid problems lung problems any problems you can probably you can probably try to fix your gut first but if you if you don't do the basics if you don't get your sleep if you don't get your exercise if you don't eat right if you don't get your stress or mental a game on track then then you can you cannot you can get you can do a test but it won't show you anything new. It probably show maybe it show you something that's wrong. Maybe it won't show you something's wrong. But you still have to fix the basics. So what I suggest, or what I do in my clinic, I suggest that people fix the basic, like get in line with the basics, get everything in order. And if we still have problems, then we can do a test. And if you did, if you fixed everything, and you still really have a high impact on your health if you're really bad health still still have diarrhea still have a bloating a gut related pain then maybe this test will have a positive response like you have too many of this bacteria you have a, a parasite you have something that's really bad is still going on down there yeah and then it needs to be fixed with antibiotics or herbal and herbal, herbal microbial there yeah um so you can use some of that to get out of the bad bugs. But but still, you need to have the right foundation first. So I always encourage people, you can use 3,000 Danish crowns on testing first off. But that would only show maybe something's wrong, maybe it's not something's not wrong, but you still have to fix the basic. So so the test will improve three days after you twitch your diet anyway. So I always recommend fix the pillars first and then if we still have problems, if you're not fixed, then let's do like microbiome test and see if the, we can catch something. But I would not, I would not be surprised if they don't catch anything wrong. Yeah. But as you say, if you take it one direction of the poop or other direction of the poop, there's so many factors. Is 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 a billion of these bacteria okay? Is two billion not okay? And depending again on your your, your immune system, is it working? Is it is it not happy about some foods? It's maybe not like shown in the poop. It's I like the test, but I wait to yeah. get the pillars straight, then get tested. And what 
do you have any idea of like the verdict right now on like the scientific literature and like how reliable is it? Um, because that's been one of the questions that I've faced and also someone of one of the listeners wrote like what's what do we know about genetics and nutrition from a microbiome test? Like is it basically bullshit? Like are we in the super early stage where companies are saying like, well, we can tell you what you eat from your microbiome test? I, I, I believe we are pretty much early stage people. People are desperate. So um, I think that a lot of people, and that's why we have so many supplements, that's why we have so many tests, that's why we have so many uh, people going in the strict, insane diets to fix their problems. It's like it's because of the health experts are not experts anymore. They, they go to the doctor, nothing's wrong with you, but people get desperate. Then they want to try this uh, supplement then they want to try this supplement then still something wrong with you and then they take the microbiome test and especially if someone uh, preach that they can fix your brain health you can be more clarified you can sleep better you can like you can make a list and you can hit 90% of the people like they want this fixed like so it's it's so easy to pitch for people it's so easy to sell people stuff but I think if you don't have the gut if you don't have the gut to change your yeah. diet, I mean, if you don't, if you don't fix the pillars first, then you, you're still probably going to get a negative test, but you still have to fix the pillars. It's, I, I think a lot of people want a quick fix and I think yeah. it's really, really hard to give it to them. But so what's your verdict on or understanding? Like if it's, if we kind of done the basics, we made the pillars right. Something is still off. Do you then still think a microbiome test provides value? Or is it kind of like we need to test something else? It might give us some answers and the literature is probably like, let's uh, have it, we'll have the verdict in five years because it takes a lot of time to get, to do the proper trials and validating everything and so on. Or like, what's your... I would, um, I would, I, I would, I'd totally give it value. Uh, yep. The GI test is, uh, is, is good for finding out if there's, a lot of pro-inflammatory uh, bacteria living in your gut. Uh, like you can have really big uh, red liners. You can have bacteria that's not supposed to be there. You can have parasites. You can have. I think it's it, it should be a a good. If you don't have improvements after three months of yeah. your diet and lifestyle, I would totally t- take a GI test. Like if you don't have any improvements, because yeah. like improvements in the don't come overnight like you've been using 30 years of your life destroying your gut and then you try to fix it in four days no easy now it's it's gonna take time so you need to these pillars need to be fixed for a long time and then maybe slowly you will feel better yeah if you don't feel better i would do a microbiome test. got it all right time is running fast or like so we're gonna do a fireside like quick questions um so we get so one of them, a question that I also got from the listeners is, how does the gut impact the thyroid and vice versa? Do we know anything about that? Or is that something you've seen literature on or experiences within the clinic? Uh, yes. A lot of the Hashimoto's or thyroid problem is uh, mostly because of uh, like antibodies against the thyroid and it uh, decreased the function of the thyroid uh, uh, iron supplements is known to improve uh, thyroid function, uh, but also like changing. It's like a filter organ. It's 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 very small here in the, in the throat, but also the lungs and the th- 
thyroid is like filter organs of so the blood come up and it leaves some of the, if there's inflammation markers running around the bloodstream, then it can hide there and it might it give people a problem with the thyroid. Uh, so I think, uh, I think a lot of impact on the thyroid. It's one of the most impacted the organs, I think from the gut besides the lung and the joints. So it's, it's on top three. If you have gut problems, you probably have problems with lung, uh, lungs, joints, and uh, thyroid. I would probably say it's... Got it. Next one. Do we know anything about how birth control impact the microbiome? Have you seen any research or have any had any patients where you're like, okay, something happened here? Um, it's It's hard to say exactly what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of buzzing in the literature about uh, that might have an impact uh, on the on different kind of uh, absorption of uh, nutrients. It changes, shifts the balance in the microbiome. I really believe that it can have an impact on the gut health, like the birth control test. Yeah. Uh, but to say exactly. Or is it because you get hormonal and you eat different foods that's bad for you? <laughs> I have no idea. And you maybe do that over 10 years and that decreases the, the, the microbiome in a bad way. Or Makes sense. Correlation versus um, casualty. Yeah, because people take uh, birth control, what, 35 years maybe? It's, it's a long time, right? Yeah. Start with the 15, take it until they're like 45 or 50, right? So it's a long time to take uh, birth control and, and if anything goes wrong with the microbiome and is it because of the birth control it's really hard to say yeah uh, i had one patient with big dysbiosis and it was really and she was 100 sure it came because of birth control pills i am not sure but i i would not deny it. yeah makes and, sense All right. Something that I'm, I care a lot about habits. I think it's the small things in our life that often builds up to who we are and who we become as an identity. But often we focus too much on like, as we talked about as well, like that one hack or something else. I think it's the small things like, do you get proper sleep? Do you do some kind of movement and so on? And the habits are kind of what makes us follow through because there's only so much motivation can do for you, right? So do you have any habits that you kind of, that you live by or that you are really happy that you implemented or that you wish you want that you wish you could implement uh yes i do uh, i have quite a few habits also and i totally agree with you that habits is key and sticking to the habits is also really important so um i did an interview with a known bicycle rider in Denmark. he says like good habits is like brushing your teeth Like you, if you stop doing them, you don't see there's any change. But it's the same with toothbrushing. It's you, you need to keep doing it all the time, and it will help you in the long run. So it's exactly the same. I really like that, and a lot. Um, my top three habits would probably go: I do fasting every day, um, and I'm really happy about that. I wish I had done that like 20 years before, but it's a uh, Really How long do you fast? I fast 22 hours every day, and then I do uh, 48 and 72 on and off. I try to do 48 every week. 
like Sunday to Tuesday. Fasting is probably the best one. Uh, getting exercise. I try to walk 30 to 60 minutes every day. Uh, if I don't go to the gym, but now that it's closed, I try to get my walking done and like exercise a bit. And then I really like I have the over ring on and it's really I uh, try to hack my sleep as good as I can. It's uh, try to go to bed at 22, 23 every day. Yep. Um, I sleep very, very, very cold. It's <laughs> I sleep with socks on. Yeah. Not, not so sexy. And I sleep with this small, small blanket, even though it's like 15 degrees in the room. It's it's so cold. And when I go to bed, I really freeze, but then my body just warms it up and I sleep way better. So hack your sleep, do your exercise, and fasting is probably some of the biggest habits. Yeah. So those were like your top habits. Then the other question, which can be your habits as well. The question that I always ask my guests, like what, what recommendation would you give for living a, a better life? One thing is the habits you love, but if you're just like, hey, this is the one recommendation I would give to someone listening. Eat, eat good food. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, we, we didn't talk much about this, but, but, but actually finding out what your body's toxic triggers is, is probably the most important thing. Because mine could be gluten and lactose. Yours could be cheese and mushrooms. Like, like totally not related, but, but totally different. But if you don't know what exactly your, your, your toxic triggers is, then you need to like listen to your body, do the food log, and ah, I don't tolerate this so well. And just stick it out of your diet. You don't need to. There's so many other good foods. So, so a good habit would also be like listen to your body and, and try to uh, avoid the toxic triggers for your body. Makes sense. Thanks, Ulrich. Ulrich, where can people find out more about you if they're like, hey, this guy sounded pretty interesting. I want to follow off his stuff. Yeah, homepage ccfm.dk and the Instagram ccfm.dk. Or you can send me a mail on uh at ccfm.dk. Great. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. And there's something if people put in that they heard about you from Growth Island. Uh, yeah. If in the in the homepage, if they contact form, put in Growth Island in the comment. Terry, we can offer you 20% on the first consultation. Great. And I'm not getting an affiliate for that just for, for the record <laughs> for people listening here. But uh, I, I sent my dad to Ulrich and uh, then went really well. So I can definitely give a recommendation from uh, from here. Perfect. Ulrich, thank you so much for taking some time out and sharing some wisdom. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.